2: Hello and welcome back. And it is the first episode of 2023, Movie Mike's movie podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike. Today I am sharing with you my top 10 movies of the last year, plus my top five disappointments, movies I thought I was going to love, and they just let me down. I'll let you know why they did. And in the movie review, we'll talk about Netflix's Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion, which came out over the break. So so many things to talk about. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me for another year of the podcast. Shout out to the monday morning movie crew and now let's talk movies in a
0: world where everyone and their mother has a podcast one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast a man with so much movie knowledge he's basically like a walking imdb with glasses from the nashville podcast network this is movie mike's movie podcast
2: Let's get right into it. My top 10 movies of 2022. At number 10, I'm going with the biopic Elvis. Music biopics, they're usually just not my favorite thing. I feel like it's really hard to get them down to where you do the artist justice in telling their story and telling and learning things that we haven't learned about that artist without kind of glamorizing it and glossing over a lot of the details. But this movie had a decent enough runtime That it was able to explore all of the points I wanted to learn about Elvis. And it was also done in a way, which it was directed by Baz Luhrmann, that I wasn't expecting. And I felt like it added to the theatrics of Elvis. It made this movie feel kind of like a fairy tale, which I hadn't really seen in a music biopic before. And I feel like if you're going to do somebody's life like a fairy tale, it has to be one of the biggest names in music of all time, Elvis. So I felt like that... Style really lent itself to the vision of this movie and the telling of this story. And then you also have Tom Hanks, which you don't root for him in this movie. And it's very rare not to root for Tom Hanks. But I liked seeing him as the villain playing Elvis's manager. And then you have Austin Butler, who wouldn't have been my first pick to play Elvis. He doesn't exactly look like him. And I know a lot of criticism for this movie was saying that he didn't look like Elvis at all. And after watching this movie, it kind of added more to my point of you don't really have to look exactly like the person you are playing as long as you're willing to put in the work to really take on this character, and I felt like Ever since Austin Butler played Elvis, like he is still Elvis to me. I saw him host Saturday Night Live. I still see Elvis. So I think this will be kind of a hard role for him to shake. So I'm kind of excited to see what he does next after this role. But I thought this was a great movie. Probably a movie I will revisit at least a couple more times. So I put Elvis at number 10. At number 9, I'm going with Jackass Forever. I'm a huge Jackass fan. I have been a fan of their work ever since I was a kid in middle school and that's when they blew up in the 2000s and I was one of those kids who saw them on TV and then wanted to go recreate everything they did. I still have a lingering injury on my hand from watching Jackass and wanting to be like Johnny Knoxville and Steve-O. And I know you look at Jackass and think, oh, they're just a bunch of idiots, but they're a bunch of idiots that I feel don't get credit for some of the things they've been able to do over the careers and all these movies and TV shows is they are able with their work to really bring people together and that is the vibe i got while watching jackass forever it was a full theater of people there just wanting to laugh at the most ridiculous things and I feel like that sense of camaraderie in a movie theater doesn't happen anymore and I really have only ever had that feeling while watching a jackass movie from one, two, three to forever. It's unlike any other theater experience and it's also a movie format that no one else can really do it's just a bunch of sketches back to back to back, there's no real plot line so just the fact that they were able to get Paramount to pay for this movie and to agree to all the crazy things they have done over the years, I think they don't get enough credit for that. But another thing I feel they have been able to do in these movies and really through all their projects is their storytelling and their commitment to friendship. I mean, they've all been friends for such a long time and I feel like we've watched them kind of grow and show all these things and have us really invested in them as people. And that's why these movies work is because they are big characters that have great personalities. Anybody can do a random stupid things and film it. It's all over TikTok and YouTube. To really have a sense of like, it feels like your friends doing these stunts and these people that you've known for your entire life now, that is something that no one else has really created anywhere else. So... And they're also bankable. they made a lot of money doing stupid things and risking their lives, and they need credit for that. So at number nine, one of my favorite theater experiences of the year goes to Jackass Forever, which I gave a four out of five rating, and going back one for Elvis. also gave that one a four out of five rating. At number eight is another movie I gave a four out of five rating, and it is Top Gun Maverick. Going back to that feeling and a sense of camaraderie in a movie theater, I really felt that in Top Gun Maverick. That kind of electricity when you go into theater and everybody's excited. That is also what I experienced in Top Gun Maverick. And I'm not even the biggest fan of the original movie, but for a movie to come out 30 years after the original one, I had some interest in it. And I felt like this movie really resonated with a lot of people because of that reason. I saw people who had never been to a movie in the last 10, 15, 20 years Want to go see this movie in theaters. And it was also a movie that everybody I know who watched this movie loved it. And the word of mouth that got around because of this movie is really what boosted it so much. So everybody had seen it. And when I went to go watch it, I was like, all right, I'm gonna expect to not really enjoy this movie. But Tom Cruise really delivered. He brought a big action movie that you had to see on the big screen. And for this movie to be plagued with delays and delays, it was supposed to come out so long ago. I didn't think it could live up to that expectation. But I'm so glad that we ended up having to wait this long to see this movie because it really did it justice. Was it a little cheesy? Yeah, but that's all right in a big summer blockbuster. And that's exactly what this movie was. I think it's exactly what the film industry needed and what America needed. So at number eight, I'm going with Top Gun Maverick. At number seven is a movie I wish more people would have seen, but it is an independent movie. It's called Breaking starring John Boyega. You also have Michael K. Williams and Connie Britton. But it's based on a true story from 2017, a man named Brian Brown Easley, who was a decorated Marine Corps veteran. And in the movie, he holds a bunch of people hostage inside a Wells Fargo bank, threatening to blow it up. And it's all because he didn't get his payment he was owed from the Department of Veteran Affairs and all he wanted was was his $892. That was actually the original title of this movie was $892. He doesn't want to steal any money from the bank. He doesn't want to make any other negotiations. He just wants his payment from Veteran Affairs so he can get his daughter a birthday present and go on with his life. So I thought the movie also shed light on a very important subject, something that we don't always think about when it comes to our veterans. And then you also have John Boyega, who was so powerful in this movie and the way he played this real-life person to where... You feel so sympathetic for his character because even though he is doing something this extreme, you don't really see him as a villain. And I found his performance in that to be a very delicate thing to where you don't hate him for doing this. You really sympathize with him and you want things to work out for him. So a very emotional movie. It was also the last film that Michael K. Williams did before he passed away. So there was another emotional level there. But I felt like this was a sleeper pick. I wish it would have been shown in more movies theaters and I even wish that a streaming service would have picked up this movie because it's not on Amazon it's not on Netflix it's not on Hulu you can still rent it but you have to pay for it I think the cheapest is on Amazon for five bucks so If you like movies based on real life, if you like dramas slash thrillers, I think you'll really enjoy this movie because I loved it. So at number seven, I went with Breaking. At number six, kind of along the same vein, I watched these movies around the same time in theaters, and it's another thriller. I think that is like my second favorite category of movies. You go superhero movies for me, and then psychological thrillers slash crime thrillers. Those are my favorites. I just think... The emotion you get from watching a thriller is what I enjoy so much. And then I would probably put horror at three now, but horror used to be number two. So I think it's kind of slid down in the last couple years because there have been so many great thrillers. But at number six, I went with Emily the criminal, which I gave a 4.5 out of five rating starring Aubrey Plaza, who you would probably know from Parks and Rec. And she's really more known for her comedic roles. And in this movie, she plays a woman who is haunted by her stupid. In debt, and she is trying to get her dream job but isn't able to land it, so is working a different job that really doesn't allow her to pay off those loans. So she's trying to find ways to make money and she gets involved in this underground crime ring. It all starts with her purchasing products with stolen credit cards. So the movie really kind of brings up the question, kind of like we did in Breaking, but this time focusing on people with student debt and the extremes you would go to get out of that situation. And this was before I saw her in White Lotus season two. I still think she is better in Emily the criminal because she really gets to be the star of this film. And the movie is also available now on Netflix. So I feel like more people are getting a chance to see this. And I think everybody I've recommended it to has really enjoyed it. So if you've been seeing this movie pop up on your Netflix, I encourage you to check it out if you love a thriller. And at number six, that's where I'm putting it, Emily the Criminal. Getting into the top five now, at number five, I went with Jordan Peele's Nope, which I gave a 4.5 at a five rating. The movie is now on Peacock, so if you have that, you can watch it for free. I think the problem I saw most people have with Nope was the fact that this was billed as a horror movie. And it is at its core. And that is why I like Jordan Peele. I feel like he really knows how to make a modern horror movie. But I feel when you give people the expectation of a horror movie is meant to make you scared and they watch a movie and they are not scared at all, then it makes them not like the movie. I don't really think that's what horror movies are meant to do anymore. I think at the core of it, it's meant to have some horror elements in the cinematic style of a horror movie, but it doesn't really need to make you feel scared. I think we've kind of evolved from that. Yes, maybe the slasher movies of the 80s, the teen slasher movies of the 90s, and kind of the transition we've been from the 2000s to the 2010s. I think the new way to make a good horror movie is to make something as novel as possible. And I think that is exactly what Jordan Peele has done in his first three movies. And I also love movies where you can really hone in on all the symbols, and everything has a particular reason, everything has a meaning. Maybe you have to do a little deep dive after you watched a movie, but I like movies that raise a lot of questions. But if you are willing to look for them, have a lot of answers, and I think that is exactly what Nope did. Maybe for some people that doesn't really land exactly into what you like watching, but I had only good things to say about Nope. That's why I give it a 4.5 out of five rating and put it at number five. And number four, I went with The Batman, which I also gave a 4.5 out of 5 rating. I loved everything about director Matt Reeves' vision for The Batman to have still that same realism and kind of dark tones as The Dark Knight, but really make it its own and focus in on the story of Batman as the great detective that he is. And also the commitment of not making bruce wayne and robert pattinson be the same billionaire very cool calm and collected bruce wayne making him kind of a recluse kind of a weirdo and when you really think about what batman does and all the things he has to change in his life it really plays more into that vision of batman of being this weird dude (laughs) who else would really do this job And I just love the cast in this movie with Zoe Kravitz as Selina Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman. Paul Dano as the Riddler was one of my favorite Batman villains of all time. And then Colin Farrell as Penguin, which was one of the most... Curious castings I felt going into this movie but surprisingly worked really well and a movie with a three hour runtime I found myself sucked into every single minute of the Batman and I still remember exactly when I realized I was watching something that altered the way I feel about movies. And I felt like this little moment kind of happened in my brain, like a new wrinkle went into my brain whenever the chasing happened between the Penguin and Batman and how epic that was. I was so excited and I had this smile on my face and for a movie to give me that feeling, that is something that for me who watches so many movies and doesn't really get moved by a whole lot anymore I really enjoyed that moment and love this movie. And I've rewatched this movie three times since it came out. And that is a lot for me to rewatch a movie when I'm watching all these other movies for this podcast, like just out of pure enjoyment, I could sit down and watch the Batman. So at number four is the Batman at number three is one of the movies I watched most recently. It is the whale with Brendan Fraser. And I love this movie so much. I believe that It should and will win Best Picture at the Oscars this year. I also think Brendan Fraser should win for Best Actor. And I love this movie so much that I want to wait and do the full review because I feel like this movie deserves that. And I have so many things I want to say about The Whale. But I couldn't do my top 10 list without including this movie. And if it wasn't for number 2 and number 1, this easily could have been my number 1 given any other year, but two other really great movies came out this year that just ranked above The Whale. And for a movie to be a pretty straight on drama to land in my top five, maybe that says something to you. Maybe it doesn't. But all the other movies in this top five have a spectacle to them. They have this big reason that you need to watch them on the big screen. And for the whale to really kind of move me in a way just by the telling of somebody's story and landing at number three, I feel like it deserves a full movie review on its own. So I will be doing that one next week. So this is just the preface to that. The Whale is already at number three with a 4.5 out of 5 rating. That brings me to the top two. At number two, I'm going with Wakanda Forever. The only movie I've given a 5 out of 5 rating in the last year. This movie checked all the boxes for me. Superhero movies, which I love. Yes, I am a bit of a Marvel stan, but this movie I actually saw twice in theaters and loved it more the second time because of the way it served as a tribute to the death of Chadwick Boseman, but also how they chose to continue on the story, and the introduction of one of my favorite Marvel villains in a very long time, Namor, easily now lands in my top five Marvel villains of all time. But it is the last Marvel movie to come out, and me to instantly want the next one to come afterwards. And I know it's going to be a long time before that one If that one ever gets made, but it's a Marvel movie that left me so excited after watching it. And that was even after me anticipating it so much and for something to live up to that expectation and me still wanting to see it again and again and again and tell people about it. And I know I've already spoken so much about this movie, so obviously it was going to land at number two. At number one, my top movie of 2022 is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once from A24, which I actually gave a 4.5 out of 5 rating when I first reviewed this movie. And it is the first movie I have retroactively looked back on and realized why I did that. I should have given this movie a perfect score, but I'll leave it at a 4.5 out of 5. There are so many great things I can say about this movie how it deals with the multiverse, and how it was so original and did so well. I think that is really my favorite thing about this movie, because what I see a lot that people criticize Hollywood for are remaking movies or just making superhero movies. There's nothing original anymore. But here in 2022, you have one of the most original movies, a movie not set in any known franchise, a movie that didn't bank on its A-list stars, even though you have some great people in this cast, A movie that didn't have the most fancy budget, but was able to do something so novel and a movie that resonated with me in so many different ways. And overall, just really an exciting and fun movie that it's the only movie that I've watched in the last five years that I wish I could watch again for the first time like I'd never seen it because that is how much I love this movie. If you love a story about an unlikely hero, you need to watch this movie if you haven't yet. The movie centers around this family who is down on their luck, having issues with the IRS and their small business, and then their entire world kind of comes crashing down, and the main character, played by Michelle Yao has to navigate all this madness while learning how to use her newly found powers but it is a movie that is so much fun to watch and so many crazy things happen in this movie i felt like it was things i would experience in a dream and the directors the daniels were able to bring to life so between this movie and the whale i hope they both together clean up at the oscars because they very much deserve it So at number one with a 4.5 out of 5 rating and my number one movie of 2022, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I do have quickly some honorable mentions. I watched about 100 new movies this year, so obviously couldn't fit all of them into a top 10 list. But some other great movies I watched were Vengeance with BJ Novak. I think a really great debut for him. If you're into more independent thrillers, again, continuing my kick of thrillers. That was probably my third favorite thriller of the year. Also, most recently, Avatar The Way of the Water. I ended up enjoying a lot more than I thought and am ready for all other Avatar movies, despite its three-hour runtime, a really great theater experience. Clerks 3, which I love, Kevin Smith, and maybe on paper wasn't the best movie, but I just love all of the other Clerks movies. I feel like that one really tied up that entire franchise really well. Don't worry, darling, I probably enjoyed more the second time I watched it, it was a movie that I was expecting to it be instantly one of my favorites of all time. It just had that aesthetic going into it. So maybe I was a little disappointed the first time I saw it in theaters, but I still recommend it. If you haven't seen it yet, it is on HBO Max. And I also want to shout out to Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which I don't know why I love this first and second one so much. Maybe it's because I was just such a big fan of the video game on Sega. Maybe it's just because I love Jim Carrey, but there is something about watching the Sonic the Hedgehog movies that I just love. Sometimes you just need a movie to make you feel like a kid again so I feel like if I had one guilty pleasure of the movie that I gave a really high rating to just because of the way it made me feel I would go with Sonic the Hedgehog 2 which I give a four out of five rating. Also Lightyear which I felt like a lot of people ripped to shreds but I thought was actually a pretty good love letter to sci-fi and I'll also throw in Thor Love and Thunder and Cha Cha Real Smooth on Apple TV Plus or some other of my favorites of the year. So I'll come back, give you my top five disappointments. I'll give you my review of Knives Out Glass Onion. Tired
1: of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639.
2: So I gave you my top 10 movies of 2022, but now here are my top five disappointments in the last year. And these are movies that I was expecting to love because on paper, they seem great. Great director, great actors. The trailer won me over, but when I went to go see them in theaters, they really let me down. So they didn't make my worst of 2022 episode that I did a couple weeks ago. But they were just movies that I watched and was like, huh, I thought I was going to love that movie. At number five is Halloween Ends, which I love the Halloween movies. The original Halloween is my favorite horror movie of all time. And this entire franchise kind of threw me for a loop when it had such great introduction back in 2018. It really went downhill from there. And I thought this movie was going to do a good job at kind of closing out the chapter, not only in this series of reboots, but on the entire Halloween Michael Myers story, but this movie really missed the mark. I enjoyed maybe 20 minutes of this movie and then was like, all right, wrap this thing up. It's not what I expected. So at number five, one of my biggest disappointments of the year is Halloween ends. At number four is another movie I just watched on Apple Plus, and it was Emancipation with Will Smith. I did a breakdown for the trailer in the trailer park and this movie was kind of billed as being one of Will Smith's best performances to date and it came at a weird time of him having the whole Oscar slap situation, being his first role after that and people were quick to say that this could be a movie that he would, you know, be nominated for again. So I think given the subject matter, given the trailer we saw from this movie, I thought I was really going to love it and kind of be on that team too of like, "Oh yeah, he it should be nominated again and weird that he's not invited to the oscars for another 10 years And it wasn't so much his performance that I was disappointed with, but I was kind of thrown off by the style of this movie because it has a great story. I just felt like the direction didn't do the story justice, which is a very powerful story about him being a slave, escaping and finding his way to Louisiana where he joins to fight in the Civil War. But I was so distracted by maybe it was the black and white style and all the other effects that this movie had on, which I know when you watch. A movie on Apple TV Plus, you usually get the best quality, but it almost felt like the movie was overproduced, that it took away from the rawness that I was expecting. And Will Smith's whole dramatic intentions just were completely watered down because of all the kind of flashy effects. So it took away all the heart in this movie. So now I don't even feel like it's a movie that people need to see. And I don't even think he needs to be in the consideration for best actor anymore. So that really let me down. At number three is Smile, which I love horror movies. I went to go see this movie in theaters and I was so excited. I went to watch it by myself because my wife does not like horror movies. So I had my middle seat Ready to enjoy this movie, and it let me down because all of the scary parts are in the trailer. Why do you do that for horror movies? It completely takes the fun out of it. Even now when I see commercials for the Blu-ray, they're showing all the best scary parts, so you don't even need to watch the movie. And I know I was talking about Jordan Peele's Nope and how not every horror movie has to be scary, but that exactly is what this movie was wanting to do. And it did a lot of it through jump scares, which I feel are very cheap. So it was wanting to give you that feeling of like, oh, we got you. But it didn't really do that, and for a movie that had such great marketing and a movie that people were talking about just by the trailer and just by all the things they did with the MLB games, I thought that was amazing. For a movie to cut through like that and people just to be talking about organically, I think that is why the movie did so well. But I found myself so bored at a certain part of this movie and I felt like it dragged on for at least 40 minutes before it got to the finale. I was so let down by this movie and I know there's going to be a smile too eventually and I'll go watch that one and be let down again but I won't like it I tell you that. So at number three my disappointment is Smile. At number two is Black Adam, a movie I had seen The Rock talk about for almost two years on his Instagram A movie I thought was going to save DC. I thought we were going to have our next big DC hero. I went to see this movie and The Rock's performance was so flat. He added nothing to the character. He was really just this big muscled up dude in a cool suit. But that is not enough to carry the origin story of a superhero. The entire plot of this movie was very minimal. And don't get me wrong, the action was pretty good the visuals were actually really great when it comes to vfx and superhero movies this one had it down really well but everything else was just not working for me the supporting cast was terrible i think pierce brosnan's character deserved to really have the leading role in this movie it should have been about his character because i actually learned nothing about black adam that made me want to see another black adam movie And now that DC is completely scrapping the character for a while, we won't even see The Rock as Black Adam, maybe ever, probably not. And as much as I love superhero movies, I couldn't get into this one. It let me down. So that's at number two. And number one is the last movie I saw in theaters. And sometimes I just like a movie for the aesthetic. And there are certain movies that I see the trailer for, I see the directors and the actors attached to the movie. And I'm like, that is a movie I'm going to enjoy. I'm calling it now. I had that expectation going into movies like Nope, in The Batman, obviously in Black Panther, or oftentimes I just have my favorite directors like Christopher Nolan, Quentin Tarantino. I know I'm just going to like their movies. And for Babylon, for a movie to have Brad Pitt, one of the best A-list actors of all time, Margot Robbie, Toby Maguire, the list goes on and on for a stacked cast and the trailer won me over. But the first 30 minutes in this movie, given as a three hour movie, probably the worst 30 minutes I've seen In any movie. And it kind of reminded me of when I went to see another movie I rated a zero out of five this year Amsterdam. You have this big ensemble cast that you can't direct them. And it feels like there's no direction in this movie and everything just happens. And I know it's supposed to be this big intertwined story. It takes place in the 20s and it's supposed to be shocking. It's supposed to be graphic. There's a lot of nudity, people doing drugs, and all of these crazy things that are happening that are supposed to you know have this shock value but you can't really do all those things and expect it to also land and resonate with the viewer you have to create something you have to create some kind of storyline and it just felt like things were coming out of nowhere and if that was intentional and I totally missed that let that be on me but there was no enjoyment I found in this movie and I just don't know how you waste that much talent and yes, maybe if you looked at each actor's individual performance, there are some things you can pick out that are actually good. Yes, to see Brad Pitt doing a character like this is impressive in some ways to see Margot Robbie, although I kind of feel like she was just being a version of Harley Quinn. And maybe the cinematography in this is something you would be like, oh, well, they have all these people on screen at the same time. That's a feat in itself. Yes, maybe technically there are some things in this movie, but when it comes to substance, there is absolutely nothing in this movie that I would pick out and think that was actually something I needed to see in a movie. So I feel like this is the Little Debbie snacks of desserts when it comes to movies. Just like there is no nutritional value to a Little Debbie snack, there is no cinematic value to Babylon, and the movie just really let me down. So my number one disappointment of 2022 was Babylon. And some honorable mentions for some disappointments were Scream 5. I thought that was going to make me a little bit more interested in the reboot of the Scream franchise, and they kind of banked a lot on nostalgia and bringing back some Of the original cast from the first movie, but it ended up just being just another generic horror slasher movie. So that movie kind of let me down. Also, A Christmas Story Christmas, which made my worst movies of the year, and Barbarian, which I saw so many people loving this movie, and I just thought it was pretty average. I like the style of the movie more so than I like the actual story. The first 30 minutes and third of this movie were great, but it kind of fell off for me there at the end. I thought it was going to be my favorite horror movie of 2022, and it wasn't. All right, so we'll come back and wrap things up with my review of Knives Out.
1: Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with anime.
2: back with my first movie review of 2023 let's get into it now knives out glass onion on netflix this is the level of movie that netflix needs to put out more often we really only get one a year on this scale from netflix maybe that's all they can afford at this point but if they put out more movies At the quality of Glass Onion, I feel like it would really set them apart from all the other streaming services. And this movie was a great get for them after the first one was such a big success to get the sequel to be a Netflix exclusive. When it comes to all the streaming services and their original movies, Netflix was one of the first ones to have a big hit back when everybody watched bird box over the holiday break back in the day, and now it's had them very far and few between. I feel like Hulu has actually done surprisingly well when it comes to having great original movies, but then Netflix comes out and puts a movie out like this to remind everybody we are the king of streaming. So let's get into how this movie stacks up from the original one. It is somehow better to me, but also not as good as the original and for different reasons. I feel like the first one was a little bit more novel in its approach, and we had no real expectations going into the first Knives Out movie. But this one really kind of turned up the campiness, which I feel like some people view this movie as being a little bit cheesy. But I feel like this movie is pretty self-aware. But I feel like when it comes to a murder mystery movie, it has to have that kind of level of cheesiness to get the story across. But I feel like it handled it very well. And I just have to say... This is how you make a movie with an ensemble cast because there are so many great A-list level actors in this movie and I feel like no other movie has done it like Knives Out, Glass Onion has. A lot of the other ensemble cast movies I have hated This one I love, from Daniel Craig to Dave Bautista, Kate Hudson, Janelle Monae. I feel the reason this one works so well is because each individual actor has their own time to shine. You often don't get that in some of the other ensemble cast movies. It's just like, oh, look at all these A-list actors trying to prove that they are great. Everybody in this movie has a very specific role, and it's very character-driven. All of these people who you're trying to figure out, are they the ones who did it? have their very own individual characteristics, and they all do that very well. So I think that is what makes this movie work. And I never really found myself to be one to love a murder mystery, but now I'm totally into the genre. I'm even going back and watching like Death on the Nile and Death on the Orient Express just to get my fix now. And I think that is why this movie works so well. It is a very fun movie, to watch with family. That is what I did over the holiday break. We all sat down and watched Knives Out. And there is an element of kind of like playing a game because everybody as you're watching it is picking who they think did the murder in this movie. And I think for that reason, the whole Knives Out franchise has the ability to go on forever because you can just keep bringing on new characters. You probably keep Daniel Craig to keep that one thread to make it feel like a Knives Out movie. you have a whole new story you have a whole new set of characters you have a whole new murder mystery with all new twists and turns so you could keep this format and keep on doing it eventually when Daniel Craig doesn't want to do it anymore or he becomes too expensive you bring someone else in and you continue on this franchise and just with this formula it still makes it entertaining to watch I mean when we're going on Getting into the double digits in the Fast and the Furious movies, I feel like Knives Out would have no problem doing the same and keeping people around and keeping people interested. When it comes to the standout performances in the cast, I guess because I never really got too into the James Bond movies I've never really been a particular fan of one individual Daniel Craig movie. And I feel like some people find his character annoying in this movie because he has the foghorn, leghorn, KFC accent. But I find it kind of endearing and it's fun to see him playing such a witty, smart, cool character. And I find myself analyzing as he is analyzing things. So I really enjoy Following along his character in this movie and felt like he really honed in on that more so than in the original movie. But I have to say, hands down, who I think is the best in Knives Out Glass Onion is Dave Batista. And I do not think Dave Batista gets enough credit for how good of an actor he is. I think everybody just compares him to The Rock. But I think he is a Far, far better actor than The Rock because he is not just muscles and charisma. Dave Bautista actually has some range and he shows that a lot in Glass Onion. And I think that is something that The Rock should be jealous of. Yes, they are comparable in the sense that they both came from WWE and both transitioned into an acting career. But when it comes to individual movies that they have both done, I find myself being a bigger fan of Dave Bautista's acting, whether it be in Guardians of the Galaxy, in Dune, Army of the Dead, Blade Runner, and now Knives Out. And I'm very much looking forward to his performance in Knock at the Cabin in the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. I think he has really proven himself to have some range and to have some depth. And unlike The Rock, actually have some acting ability. And you see that in this movie. So I think when it comes to Wrestlers turned actors, John Cena, Dave Batista are right there at number one and number two. So, obviously, this is a spoiler free review, and I don't want to get into what happens at the end of this movie, but I will say the entire story I felt this time was a lot more satisfying than the original one. And maybe even more so, a little bit easier to follow along with throughout this movie. I felt like they streamlined the entire mystery process very well in this one, so I like the direction they went from the original to the sequel and I'm ready for a knives out 345678 I will watch them all back to back. So I think this is a big win for Netflix of having such a hit, putting out such a good movie over the holiday to give a lot of people I think to watch especially like I did with my family. I think it's a great movie to watch and make a game out of it. I think it is a big win for all the actors in this movie. I think a movie like this is fun for actors like Ed Norton to do and be a part of. I even love the smaller cameos like Ethan Hawke at the very beginning of the movie. The cameos in no way feel forced or cheesy like they would in another movie. And third, it has made me a believer in the whodunit genre. So I give Knives Out, Glass Onion a 4.5 out of 5 Mona Lisas. And that'll do it for another episode here of the podcast. The Trailer Park will return next week, but I know this episode already ran super long, and I don't want to take up any more of your precious time. Any amount of time that you spend listening to this podcast, I greatly appreciate, and I still want to do the listener shout-out of the week. How do you get a listener shout-out of the week if you are new to the podcast? All you have to do is send me an email, movymiked at gmail.com, or hit me up on my socials at MikeDistro on everything. And as always, all of those links are in the episode notes of this podcast wherever you're listening to this right now. But this listener shout-out is from a DM I got on Instagram that really made my day, and it is from at Polly Picks, and Polly wrote, hey Mike, just wanna say your movie podcast is new to me and I love it. I've been hopping around and loving them all so much. I told my husband about the random facts like what actors get paid the most and your hot takes on Christmas movies and just all the things. I love how you also talk about the stuff that's not in theaters. And I would like to know your favorite TV show series to binge And anyway, I was wrapping presents and had to let you know I found a new podcast to add to my faves for 2023. Also, your wife is adorable. So thank you, Polly, for being a new listener to the podcast. I love that you were hopping around different episodes. Welcome to the movie crew. Hope you stay a while. And to answer your question about TV shows, I think my favorites of the last year, probably my favorite show of 2023 was Stranger Things Season 4. I feel like some people... Dipped out after season two and haven't revisited that, but man season four was so good and I can't wait for season five, especially because they're all getting older now. But season four was just so great. I can't wait for season five and hopefully they can get that done pretty soon. I'm a big fan of the show Atlanta, which is on Hulu. I love Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino. And this last final season is exactly what I look for in a comedy series. It is very dry, but the type of humor in that TV show is so much of like my own personal taste in humor, so I don't think it's a show for everyone. And it's also a show that you don't really have to watch every season or even every episode in order to get it. I feel like there is a very loose storyline, but it almost kind of feels like a modern-day Seinfeld type of show. It is just so original and the only show that really makes me laugh out loud while watching it. Also being a fan of superheroes, two of my other favorite shows were The Boys on Amazon and Peacemaker on HBO Max. And then to round out the top five was a drama I just watched on Hulu, which is Fleischman is in Trouble starring Jesse Eisenberg. I think when it comes to TV series, I like drama comedies. And that is one of my favorite drama comedies of the year. So those are five of my favorite shows of the last year. I don't talk about TV shows a whole lot on this podcast because it is a movie podcast. But if there's some kind of connection to another TV show, that's usually when I bring it up. But since you asked Polly, and because I love new listeners of the podcast, there you go. That's for you. Thank you for listening. And until next week, go out and watch good movies. And I will talk to you later. No
0: one likes to talk about money. Am I saving enough? Can I buy a house? Am I paying too much in taxes? Will I be able to retire? What if you could unlock insights about your finances in less than five minutes with a clear picture of where you stand today and where your money can work harder? Now you can. Visit facet.com to take the free quiz and get your financial wellness score today. That's F A C E T dot This ad is sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth Incorporated is an SEC registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it.